Hi, everyone, and welcome to Season 2 of the God and My Girlfriends podcast. I'm your host, Marsha Ramirez, and I have some amazing special guests this season, and we're going to dive into some topics that will help us all learn how to nurture our spiritual lives, nurture our friendships, and nurture ourselves. I'm so glad you're here. Hi, everyone. Marsha here. We have a very special episode of the podcast today. It's also a little longer than usual, but it's totally worth it. I promise. So don't don't miss the ending because, well, just trust me, it gets really, really good. So for those of you that don't know, I sing background vocals for Christopher Cross, and we are in the middle of a fall tour. My friends, Stephanie Curry and Julie Peters, are also singing background vocals with with Christopher, and each night before the show, as we are in our dressing room together, putting on our makeup and fixing our hair, we can get into some deep conversations about life and love and spirituality. We laugh a lot, too. (laughs) They're funny. But we just enjoy each other's company, and that's a huge blessing when you are traveling together and you're in close quarters for weeks at a time. Now, for the record, Steph and Julie are much younger than I am. Don't tell anyone, but I'm literally old enough to be their mom. (laughs) But I think that is what I love so much about their friendship. They both have entirely different life experiences, and I can learn from them in a way that I can't from some of my other close friends who live maybe more similar lives. When I do my God and My Girlfriends retreats or seminars, I always talk about how important I think it is to have a diverse friendship circle. Friends that are older, younger, different ethnicities, religions, etc. If you only surround yourself with people that look like you, vote like you, worship like you, live like you, then I think you can create a bubble, this huge echo chamber, and you lose the ability to find compassion and curiosity for those who aren't like you. I actually think that's a big problem in the world today. And as we get our circles tighter and tighter, I think we get extra fearful of those people as well. It feeds that us versus them mentality, and it causes so much division. So when Stephanie and Julie and I have our dressing room conversations, I'm always thinking, dang, I need to be recording this because they seriously always drop some major truth bombs somewhere in the conversation. Whether we're talking about music, race relations, politics, religion, sexuality, pooping. (laughs) I mean, no topics are off limits in our dressing room, and I seriously always learn something new from them. And this conversation today was no different. We talk about road life, developing trust and friendships, what self-care looks like to them, and we also dive into deep spiritual topics like the whitewashing of American Christianity and, and what it might take to truly diversify our churches. These girls are smart, and they're funny, and they're loving, and I know you will fall in love with them like I have. So... We'll get to the conversation, but let me just tell you a a tiny bit about them before I bring them on. First off, Stephanie is a singer-songwriter in Nashville, Tennessee. She has performed with a wide variety of artists, not just Christopher, also the legendary John Oates from Hall & Oates, Maren Morris, Hunter Hayes, and Lauren Elena, 
She performs her own material in uh, venues around Nashville, and she has three original CDs out that you can find on all the streaming platforms. She's also engaged to be married to another incredibly talented spoken word artist, S. Rap, who she mentions in the interview a couple of times. She calls him by his first name, Saran. He's awesome. And Julie, she's also a singer-songwriter here in Nashville. She's originally from Columbus, Ohio. And when she's not on tour with Christopher, you'll actually find her working as a legal assistant at a large law firm in downtown Nashville. She's the smart one of us. She actually has a real job, too. (laughs) She was influenced by diverse artists such as Tori Kelly, One Republic, Frank Ocean, and Johnny Swim. And her debut album, Look Inside My Soul, is also available on all streaming platforms. So you can see, they both make their own music as well as singing for Christopher. They both love Jesus. They're deeply spiritual. And you'll notice that their faith comes out and lives out in almost everything we talk about. Now, like I said earlier, this podcast was taped a bit different than the way we usually do it, so you'll notice the sound quality is a little different, but hopefully you can still hear us well enough. We just gathered into a little hotel room on a day off and had this conversation. So actually, this is one I would encourage you to check out on our YouTube channel because you can actually see us interacting rather than just listening. Also, one more thing, if you haven't subscribed to our YouTube channel and you're enjoying the podcasts, please go do that. That way you'll get little notifications each time we premiere a video. But either way, I'm glad you're here, whether you're on video or audio, and I know you're going to enjoy this conversation with my friends, Julie Peters and Stephanie. (laughs) Okay, Um, welcome everyone. Today's podcast is a little bit different from the way we usually do it. I have two of my friends here live and in person, and if, <laughs> if y'all follow me on the road at all, you already know who these two lovely ladies are, but I, and I, if you listen on the podcast, on the audio version on your podcast platform, you'll also hear me introduce both of them a little bit, but uh, just for those of you that are watching on the video, these are my friends, Julie Peters and Stephanie Curry. You just go by Stephanie. Stephanie. She has a very unique, not Stephanie, Stephanie, yes. which once you get it, now I call all my friends that are Stephanie, Stephanie. Yep. So, <laughs> but we travel together on the road with Christopher Cross, who's an 80s pop artist, and we're in the middle of a fall tour, and we are in our hotel room on a day off, and we have some very interesting conversations before the shows when we're in our dressing rooms. These ladies. I'm telling you, they are amazing. And we will get in there. Julie was just saying we should have our makeup in front of us during our makeup, because that's when we really get into good conversations when we're putting on our makeup or fixing our hair. So many times when we're talking, I'm like, I wish I had a microphone in here, you know, recording what we're talking about. And some other people I posted a picture of us and two or three people said, I wish I was a fly listening to you girls talk. And I was like, you know what? We can make that happen. Mm -hmm. So that's what we're going to do today. We're going to talk a little bit um, about life and love and friendship and spirituality and self-care with my two friends here. So I want to start off by just talking about a little bit about music because these are two very talented women. Um, Steph, we'll talk, we'll start with you. So what brought you 
I'm sure music brought you to Nashville, mm-hmm. correct? Mm-hmm. So just give me a little quick, your musical background real quickly. Ooh, okay, I'll try to keep it short. <laughs> <laughs> I went to high school for music, I was supposed to be an opera singer, decided to go to school for jazz in college. Went to school in New York for jazz, stayed in New York for four years doing the music thing, heard a word from the Lord to move to Nashville, moved to Nashville within six months, was touring, and I've been basically a full-time singer since then. That's amazing. And I'm glad it brought you to Nashville. Yes. I'm glad your path. And what about you, Julie? Well, kind of similar. I went to um, uh, my high school was a performing arts high school. And so but I was a choir nerd, hugely into choral music and all that stuff. And then studied um, music education in college because Basically, my university was like, you know, we would love to have you here, but you're not an opera singer. <laughs> so, you know, but you can do education. So, because it, it was classical training only. So I was like, great, I just want to get in the program. So I did music, um, started writing in college. And before I knew it, I shared some music with some friends of mine at a church and it turned into an album. And then I, those friends moved to Nashville and similarly, I felt like it was a step of faith that I just really felt called to move to Nashville yeah. nine years ago, you know, got a job at a law firm and got involved in church with singing, which is how I got connected with you. That's right. And so, uh, so yeah, so that's how I got to Nashville and how that music kind of connected all of that through, you know, that album that I was able to write and to record. Um, And I think I remember you saying it was between like, you know, it was between me and another girl and, you know, and Christopher, uh, I think we sent a song and he was like, let's go with Julie. So it was like, (laughs) yay. It was, it was a huge godsend Mm -hmm. for sure. Cause Mm -hmm. this is a dream to be able to sing background vocals. Like, come on now. (laughs) This is like an amazing job. It's a good job. Yeah. It's a good job. So, um, so yeah, when, when we started out, my friend Kim used to sing with me with Christopher Cross and then she left and we needed to find another girl. And at the time it was just two girls on the road. Mm-hmm. And so you two actually split a tour mm-hmm. in the beginning and then Steph continued and you would sub for Steph here and there. And then this is the first time where Christopher said, let's just take all three of you. And we've had so much fun. It's It's been some great. And we have a girl lighting director on our bus. So there's a lot of estrogen on our bus. (laughs) Girl power. Girl Girl power. power. It's been a lot of fun. Um, Yeah. So you're both singer songwriters. We actually just wrote a song for a new project Mm -hmm. that's connected with Christopher Mm -hmm. that y'all will hear about soon. But um, it was fun to get to write with both. They're both great singer songwriters on their own. Great artists. Um, Very different thing from singing background. Wouldn't you say it's a completely different skill? Totally different. Yeah. I mean, I've had people in the past call or like a mom say my daughter wants to move to Nashville and she knows she's not good enough to to sing lead she just wants to be a background vocalist oh it's the other way around it really kind of is right it's the other way around that's what I think I mean developing your own style as an artist is it's hard but I think as far as skill goes being an artist is not just about singing right so you have can you perform? Can you captivate an audience? All mm-hmm. that. But being a background singer, there's a skill. Can you sing in tune? Can you compliment the artist if the artist doesn't sing in tune? Mm-hmm. How's your rhythm? How quickly can you learn? Mm-hmm. 
how quickly can you unlearn you mm-hmm. know what I mean and being on the fly with all of that is a whole other thing and a lot of lead artists can't do that because you have to step aside you're not the focus mm-hmm. someone else is and your job is to compliment them and make them sound good so if you have an ego or anything like that it's going to be really really hard but I think a lot of background singers if they really want to which a lot don't right could be an artist an artist mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but a lot of you know a lot of people who sing backgrounds like I know I didn't think about this when I was younger but a lot of people who are background singers for a living, like that's what they want to do. Like there's this stigma that background singers are artists, they wanted to be artists and it failed. So they became background singers. Right. But most of the good ones wanted to sing, like that's what they like. They like harmony. They like doing all the stuff. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I agree. Yeah. Did you, did you want to be a lead vocalist or background vocalist, or did you do a little bit of both? I mean, have you always kind of had a foot in, in both areas? Well, well, growing up, like I, you know, I kind of grew up in church and singing with my mom. She would write, we would sit at the piano and I would harmonize with her. So that was always kind of harmonies came natural to me. Mm-hmm. And I felt like, you know, a lot of my friends that were especially I mean, not especially, but, you know, some that were classically trained, like in college, they're like, I can't do harmonies. Mm-hmm. I can't do. And I'm like, really? So, you know, to me, it just kind of felt, um, you know, like it was a part of my gene to be able to, you know, harmonize and to, uh, you know, and to change quickly if needed. And so I have found that having that makes me a stronger performer. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, what, you know, when I would do, you know, the artistry thing and being mm-hmm. able to kind of shift if needed which you know for me I often would uh, accompany myself like with piano or the guitar but and so you know just kind of having those things kind of layering really helps with Mm -hmm. you know I think making me a better background Mm -hmm. vocalist and also as an artist. I know you're pursuing your own artist Mm -hmm. thing are you as well? Uh, You know my approach has these are the things that I feel like I'm kind of working on as a person and in growth of just believing in yourself and having these things that kind of, I feel often like I wait for things to just fall in my lap. Mm-hmm. And honestly, I mean, like, that's how the album happened. That's how this gig with Christopher. And I'm, I'm not saying that like, I didn't work for it, but I was telling Steph just the other day, like, I felt like there's a big part of me that really strives to stay comfortable. <laughs> you know what I mean? And so that's why, like, when I moved to Nashville, I was like, okay, I got to get a job. Like, I got to make sure I could pay the bills instead of really trusting and putting myself out there. Uh, and I think that that's one of the things that's been the biggest lesson for me when it comes to being an artist and pursuing that is that you, you know, you have to put yourself out there. And those are steps that I'm still kind of working, (laughs) working on. So to say like, yeah, no, I'm not doing, not trying to do that. Like, I don't know that that's necessarily true because I feel also like as creativity evolves, that it makes me maybe want to put myself out there. Like, you know, depending on what it is. And, you know, I feel as I try not to compare myself to others or compare myself to my old projects, those things are huge learning curves, Mm -hmm. you know, and especially now that I've kind of isolated myself where I work with a bunch of lawyers, you know, they're not as, not saying that lawyers aren't creative, but they're not pursuing a career Mm -hmm. in music. Right. So when I stopped, you know, there was a period where I stopped singing in church 
And so that really did limit my connection to music in a lot of ways. And so I feel like those kind of connections, like hearing y'all, you know, pursue your things like your podcast and like your fiance, like helping him write a Grammy nominated album. You know what I'm saying? Like all those things are incredibly inspiring. And I, I see that as like an opportunity to continue just that pursuit of what makes my heart happy, you know? So whatever that looks like, that's like what I'm striving for. We, we had an episode a couple of weeks back on creativity and how being creative is so good for the soul Mm -hmm. and whether or not you're making money at it. Like if you're doing it too focused on the end results, Mm -hmm. I think it kind of, do y'all find that that can muddle things up sometimes? Oh, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. You just got to follow your, your gut, follow Mm -hmm. the muse sometimes. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 100%. It's almost like you kind of have to force yourself from writing for other people or creating for other people Mm -hmm. and focus it back on just your yourself almost in yeah. a sense. not in a selfish way but in a way of like of authenticity mm-hmm. you know what I mean and that's you know that fine line of where we can like destroy ourselves almost mm-hmm. of just like creating for others instead yeah. of yourself you know ours yeah mm-hmm. like being authentic so yep yeah. and that's that's the battle yeah it is a battle <laughs> it, it is like. a battle so tell me really quick before we get off the of music. I know people are just loving following us on tour. What I want to know what what has been your favorite moment on tour so far? You know my favorite moment. But I don't know if I I don't want to like okay, I want to say it. <laughs> so we're on stage. This is one song every Baby, single night. I knew this. <laughs> no, it's not oh, that. It's not that one. Okay, okay. Every single night. Okay. I can't wait for We this. sing the same notes. <laughs> nothing changes and before we before we sing Christopher looks over at oh. us. <laughs> and it's just the best because I'm just like do you think we're gonna forget it like it's just, it's just like <laughs> I love it so much and I just I think it's his favorite part maybe yeah. or like it's the, the sound it's, yeah. that comes and he kind of like arranged that part and so I just think he really looks forward to, to that. It. And he looks over and he engages with yeah. us. Yeah. Yes. And it's like one of the only times where he like gets really excited <laughs> and looks over and it's every night without fail. <laughs> that so that's my favorite part. That's <laughs> so great. It is fun. It's fun to see him smile and look at yes. us and just engage. Yep. What about oh, you, man. Julie? Oh, geez. Um, I think, do you, does it have to be this tour, like this one? Or yes, like, I want to know what, I mean, is it the Walmart barbecue, yeah. Walmart parking lot oh, barbecue? It's all so precious, oh my gosh. We've had some fun They're almost rolling out of I your bunk. seriously, oh my gosh, that PTSD. <laughs> I am, Julie's got a top the, the brains of the organization, <laughs> and I decided that it would be best for the tall one to take the top bunk and uh on the on the bus and I am like fearful for my life every night (laughs) and I think I'm gonna roll out so uh but yeah no I I've actually been sleeping a lot better on the bus good you do get kind of used to that but I seriously like I will have moments and I I don't know if it's because of having an office job where being out here it's like I really try to stay present on the stage like Mm. there are so many times where I'll just look out and just try to take it all in you know what I mean and I feel like I probably look like such a goon because I'm just 
Like I'm just cheesing the whole time just because I'm so excited to be there. And and that just so many times throughout like the day, I'm like, thank you, God. Like, Mm -hmm. just thank you. Mm -hmm. Not just for this experience, but for like Mm y'all, you know what I'm saying? Like, I just feel this couldn't be with like a better group of people. Like, I just feel so fortunate just to have this opportunity. (laughs) Yeah. I think those are always the beginning of sailing too. Like, Mm -hmm. The, the crowd's response like yeah. I just I it you know and then just the other night there was like someone that was like sobbing <laughs> it was crying. so precious I like know. he was just so into it and I just I could feel that and I just I love all of that mm-hmm. um that kind of interaction with the audience and how they just love the music that Christopher's done and mm-hmm. they you know so it is a good group of people and that can make or break a tour like uh, the the personalities and the relationships mm-hmm. that are out on tour. Christopher does a great job of not only hiring talented people, I think, but also hiring good people. Mm-hmm. It's rare to find a bad apple in a group. And uh, this has been a really, this has been a great tour. Hey, girlfriends, I'm interrupting our conversation for just a minute to tell you about something really important coming up. God and My Girlfriends Ministries is getting ready for our annual Single Mama's Christmas Ministry. Last year, we were able to raise enough money to bless a very deserving single mom in our Nashville area, and it was beyond heartwarming for me to know that we, as a community of women, used our resources to lift this young mama up and let her know that other women care about her and her young boy. I know it made her feel loved and cared for and special and I want to do it again so this year we want to bless two single moms and this is where we need your help first off we need you to let us know if you are aware of a deserving single mom that could use a Christmas blessing from us if you have someone in mind please email us at gamgministries at gmail.com or just go to our website and you can contact us there Also, we need to start raising funds. So if you want to donate towards this very wonderful part of our ministry, you can do that by going to our website and hit the donate button. And then you can let us know that this money is to be designated for the single mama's ministry. You'll be kept informed of how the money is being used and who will be blessed by your generous gift. I promise your heart will be warmed by donating to this ministry this year. So that's it. Help us find some deserving single moms and help us raise the funds. We really look forward to partnering with you this year on this. And now back to the conversation. So I want to move on to friendships for just a minute because we all know God and My Girlfriends is a lot about friendships. And um, you two have become like really trusted friends for me Mm -hmm. and and on paper (laughs) like I'm old enough to be y'all's mom yeah I know I'm a southern white woman (laughs) almost 60 years old and can I just say though (laughs) when we went to dinner with Christopher I was like I bet people think that y'all are our parents yeah yeah like Steph and I are sisters and we're like out to dinner with our parents like I was like I wonder how many people think yeah probably (laughs) because when we got 
had our nails done too. The dude, he was like, well, I thought y'all were sisters. He did say that. Well, like, y'all, yeah. they both have these beautiful braids for Tori. And I said, next tour, I'm getting braids. Yes. <laughs> we want more braids. Just for one day. I said a braid wig so you don't have to commit. I, no, yeah, that's, that's I wish I could get a braid wig just for the last <sighs> night of the tour. Oh, and no. watch Christopher's face when I walk out with oh, my braids. We can make that happen. We should do it for Halloween. <laughs> <laughs> Look out, Inglewood, mm. California. Y'all may see me in braids. We like, man. Oh my God. Y'all. So one of the things that I personally look for in friends is, you know, trust. Mm-hmm. I want to be able to trust my friends. What do you think creates trust in a friendship? Mm. Ooh, that is a good question. Yeah. I think experience. So we experience things throughout our lives and there are people in our lives when we go through these things. And I think as you go through things in your life, you notice the people around you that are encouraging, that aren't judgmental, that don't spread your business. Mm -hmm. And you realize like, okay, I can trust this person. And then, you know, I feel like children are naturally very trusting, right? Mm -hmm. So we lose that along the way. But I think that there's always like a childlike part of us that connects to people naturally. Mm -hmm. And so you're like, I can trust that person. Obviously, if you're healthy, like if you've gone through traumatic things, that's a different thing. But I'm naturally very trusting. So I don't approach a person and automatically think I can't trust you. Mm -hmm. I'm more of like, you have to do something to prove to me that I can't trust you. Mm -hmm. But even with that, like initial blanket of trust, that foundation, there are people that build on that. And so then you have friends who I'm like, I can trust that. If I'm going through something, I can call that person or that person's going to pray for me. Or like, if I'm sick, that person's going to bring me soup. Like, you know, like, and I won't have to ask Mm -hmm. that person will drive an hour to come see me, you know what Mm -hmm. I mean? Um, But that I think just comes from experiencing life with people. Mm -hmm. And yeah, that's where I think trust comes from. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I love that experiencing life together, Mm -hmm. you know, and I think that there's a level of authenticity that I look for in in friendships. Because it's one thing to you know, have a conversation with someone and they can tell you whatever you want to hear, you know, but to have, you know, I feel like what really makes me feel at home and to feel like I can trust someone is like, are they being real with me? Like, you know, and being authentic Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. um, which is that foundation of trust, Mm -hmm. you know, and how those things can come out with you being able to express and to feel like I can be vulnerable with this person and Mm -hmm. there's no judgment, but Mm -hmm. there's really, I mean, not even the advice, but sometimes just being there, Mm -hmm. you know, it's like, there's so many things being able to say like, right. Like, Hey, I'm sick. Like I need to, and sometimes not even needing to say Mm -hmm. what you need, Mm -hmm. but just Mm -hmm. having someone that can, you know, sense your, your needs. But aside from that, I mean, cause sometimes it's, you know, life gets in the way, people can't be there the way that they, that you maybe want them to. Right. And so I just think that a level of transparency and just the veil, like removed in a lot of ways, which takes time, yeah. you know, but I feel like there are some instances where you feel more connected to someone than you've known most of your life mm-hmm. than is someone that you've met like a couple months ago. So yeah. I think that there's different uh, layers that, you know, create great mm-hmm. friendships and, and that yes yeah and that love for for one another but I do think uh being on the road with people like 
you can't fake who you are very long on, on the road. So right. Mm-hmm. So I remember I met my husband, we were in a band on the road, you know, and someone asked me one time, how did you know that he would be good husband mm-hmm. material? <laughs> Cause he was a little wilder yeah. than I was at the time. And I thought about it and it's because, you know, we were actually on the road and I, I saw, you can tell the people that are generous, the people that are, that are thoughtful, you just can't hide who you are Mm -hmm. in it when you're on the road together for six weeks, like people's real personalities are going to show up. Yeah. Yeah. And I, like for him, I I could see that he was like the first person that would notice if someone needed help, he would be done and he would be helping, you know, and um, he was always kind and he was always thoughtful. And I was like, Hmm, mm-hmm. this guy's a little crazy, but you know, exactly. But same with y'all. I mean, when you all, we all get thrust in together and we're together all the time. Like you, you start learning mm-hmm. about each other pretty darn quickly. Yeah. And you know, a lot of times you don't get that opportunity with other friends. Um, you have long-term friends. I'm sure you both have Mm-hmm. You both have friends that you've had since childhood that you've kept. I have that one really friend since childhood. Most of my friendships, are, my strong ones are from college. College. Mm-hmm. And you stay in touch with them? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do any of them live in Nashville? No. But technology, it mm-hmm. makes it so much easier. What about you? Do you yeah. have childhood friends? You I do. My, I have a, you know, best friend you know, we've known each other since the fifth grade, which she, Mine too. she will say like that. I didn't like her in the fifth grade though. But, and so we became best friends in the seventh grade. Oh. And so, <laughs> uh, so yeah, we had a little grace period there. And then I don't really keep up with anybody from high school, like super tight with, but then college, I have some really good friends from there mm-hmm. and then work also like it's, oh yeah, I have some really good friends from work that, mm-hmm. you know, just keep me accountable. Mm-hmm. And yeah. that's also, huge too you yeah. know, mm-hmm. as you're growing you need people to kind of call you out Watching. on things yes <laughs> yes exactly what do y'all think about I talk a lot about when I do like my seminars or my retreats and stuff with God and my girlfriends I think it's really important to try if you can and have a, a diverse circle of friends mm-hmm. people that are have different uh, backgrounds different cultures different ethnicities mm-hmm. older friends younger friends mm-hmm. because I mean like you too like I learned so much from you I think you're we'll get we'll get to this in just a second like with self-care like for instance I think I think younger women are better at self-care than than women in my age mm-hmm. I think they're the messaging has changed mm-hmm. a little bit and I look at you girls I'm like they are not ashamed to take care of themselves. Mm-hmm. And it's inspiring for me. Yeah. But a lot of the women that are my age still struggle with that, mm-hmm. you know? And so having y'all's influence just like in that area is like really good. Yeah. And just learning about other people and their different walks of life. Obviously, your life experiences have been very different from mine mm-hmm. just because you're Black, I'm white. Mm-hmm. We've grown up in different areas of the country. Mm-hmm. Um, we have different age groups Mm -hmm. but that's how you learn right from people that are different from you not the people that are all the same exactly right Right. so how do y'all feel about that I mean do you feel like it's important do you try to keep a diverse group of friends at all or do you just yeah that's really interesting I got feel so the firm that I work at they strive for diversity at the firm and Uh so that takes effort but I don't know if like being that I'm already black kind of thrown into the corporate world, like I feel like that's, that kind of is just my life where it comes up. Mm-hmm. Like I get exposed to a lot of different backgrounds mm-hmm. of people, different ages. 
But I do think that it takes, it does take work to actually develop a friendship, you yeah. know, within those circles for sure. Yeah. And I do find value in that. And like, I have friends that, that are younger than me that I'm like, like, I feel like, like you're my big sister, actually, mm-hmm. you're, you know what yeah. I mean? It's just so wise. And I find a lot of value in just different perspectives and in how people grow. You know, mm-hmm. I think that's just what's so important is growth and who can grow with you in a sense. With you, know? you. yeah, growing together. Yeah, mm-hmm. and, and whether it's like you're in your own lane or not, I love, like, I just feel like I'm, I, I connect with people that are on that growth, mm-hmm. you know, journey mm-hmm. of self-care, which is a lot different from taking care of yourself physically. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. I think mm-hmm. that there's, there's a difference between treat yourself and taking care of yourself yeah. mentally yeah. Um, that I think is, uh, can get confused a lot with, which, and not saying like taking care of yourself physically isn't important, like getting facials or your nails done or. But you're right. That's what some people think self-care is. It's mm-hmm. like, okay, I'm going to take some time to go get a pedicure and that's my self-care for the week. Yeah. But real self-care, that's hard. Yes. That's not pampering. It's yes. Not- it's literally, uh, to me, I think self-care is spending time with yourself Ooh. and in a way that you, yeah. <laughs> they agree out there, that horn. We are in a hotel on the first floor. <laughs> but like how that is, um, that spending that time with yourself to really, I love what you said about in one of your podcasts about journaling and how oftentimes when we're thinking through things, we're not completing our thoughts. Mm-hmm. And so when you're writing down, you're actually able to process things right. and, and to know your self-awareness is just, I think, really crucial in figuring out who you are, what you want out of life, what you stand for, who you want in your life. Oftentimes we just don't spend enough time asking ourselves those kind of questions. It's just, you know, we just let things happen to ourselves instead of taking a little more initiative and responsibility for how we are growing as people mm, and yeah. how we care for ourselves and the things that we say to ourselves like mm. that's the most important conversation that you have is how are you talking to yourself mm-hmm. what do you say to yourself when you mess up or if someone you know criticizes you or you know how do you take that kind of information those kind of things that you can spend time and ask yourself, I think it's really crucial to really converting positivity, yeah. positive energy into your life. Mm-hmm. Of like, okay, I need to be kinder here first and here than to worry about what other people are. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What about you, Seth? What is your go-to self-care thing these days? Self-care is alone time. Oh, it's just, I'm notorious for, I have a day of the week where I'm busy. Just one day? No, like you asked me if I'm available, I'm busy. And that means I'm chilling. (laughs) So So you intentionally schedule. I I believe people should treat time alone and time doing what you want to do, like your job or like a scheduled appointment. It can't be canceled Mm. like a doctor's appointment. I can't cancel it because it took me two months to get on her books or you know right, what I mean right. so on my schedule me day I don't do anything that I do not want to do and and even if like a really great opportunity comes up I need to want to do it in order for it to, for me to take it and it has 
that has changed my life. Wow. I am so much happier. I don't, I feel like on the other days of the week, I'm more willing to do things that I don't particularly want to do or that feel more obligatory because I've had that time. And, and those days look different. Like some days I literally watch Netflix from the time I wake up after my devotion until I go to bed. Some days, those days include getting my nails and hair done. Some days, those days just include going for walks or reading or going to the movies, hanging with Saran. But if I don't feel like hanging with Saran, I don't. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. There's no obligation. Um, Someone invites me to something on that day and I don't feel like going. Mm -hmm. I'm busy. That's a step Yeah. Yeah. And I even tell people when they're trying to schedule things with me and they're like, oh, what about this day? And I'm like, oh, that's my me day. Oh, I love that. And they're just like, okay, I respect that. And then they'll be like, what about, you know? And so I'm very vocal about it and letting people know, like, this is my time. Mm -hmm. And it's like, I don't think free time equals I'm free. Free time is for me. Mm -hmm. And so I think giving yourself that and doing whatever works for you on that day, it could be a facial, it could be a bath or, you know. Maybe you don't be. take a bath that day. I mean, whatever. Yeah, Eat ice cream out the tub, like, you know, whatever. It makes you happy that day. Hey, I <laughs> I have pajama day. Oh, yes. And my boys know that it's serious. Like, it's a deal. Like, it's all a deal. And I... I'm like you, I like plan it. I put it on the calendar. Mm -hmm. This is going to be a pajama day. And so the day before that, I make sure I've gone to the grocery store that I don't need to run any errands Mm -hmm. that everything so that I am free Free. that day. Mm -hmm. You know, every now and then he'll go, I know it's pajama day, but I was going to take you out to eat tonight. (laughs) I was like, can we do takeout? I know. Before we get off of self care, mm-hmm. I, I would like y'all's thoughts on therapy. Are y'all believers? Oh, I love it. <laughs> I love it. it. It's helpful, right? Oh, man. And not even if there's anything wrong. Let me just preface mm-hmm. if you think you are the healthiest, I got it together person, just go sit with a therapist one day. Just just because that's what I did. I walked and I was like, hey, I think I'm pretty healthy. I don't have any traumas that I know about, but I just want to make sure I'm good. Mm-hmm. And I am because she's, you know, she's like, you pretty much have together, but we found a couple things. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, everyone and we're working it. through those things. Yeah. And, and every day of my life since I've started going with her, I notice the things that we're working on and when I'm doing them. And it's helped how I communicate with Saran. It's helped how I communicate with my friends, mm-hmm. how I process information and deal with my emotions and just like you know I never realized some of the things that I do in order to like ultimately kind of protect my space that I don't Mm -hmm. have to do and so her bringing that up and us working through that has been so fun because I'm just like yes I know I do that I know why I do that and so it's just I think everyone should go Mm -hmm. just even if you just go for a little yeah short time I think everybody should yeah (laughs) I'm a believer too. Yeah. And I do think there's good therapists and bad therapists. So I do want to sure. say, yeah. I think it's really important that you do your due diligence mm-hmm. and find a, a therapist that is a good one for you. And if you are in a session and it doesn't feel right, right, don't keep going. It's just like dating. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
if you're on a date and you get a bad feeling I agree cut it off I agree yeah and I do and I would say too I definitely am a believer in therapy Mm -hmm. and I think that finding a safe space to be able to process things and to have someone that understands and is um you know has a degree and how to help people like that yeah that is definitely a valued connection to have Mm -hmm. and I think being patient with the process because I think it can take time to find the right fit and um you know because it can be exhausting to feel like you know you have to keep sharing your stories over over and over you know what I mean Mm -hmm. just to kind of try to get to know like if this is even a good fit and so that's where I find my a lot of my frustration with therapy is just finding the right right fit fit, yeah and um you know and also like location is a big thing too like where but now right digital technology has been really great so you can virtually meet which really helps not excuses but limits uh making like I'm not going to go to this person because they're too far but um I have several friends that are therapists and they are still doing it online yeah I think one important thing with therapy when you're starting is making sure you're keeping your slate neutral so like mm-hmm. you know you can go somewhere and be like I don't like them but it's because they were saying stuff you didn't mm-hmm. want to hear yeah. oh, they were yeah. calling out some things and you and you're like nah and so you hop around and you can never find a person because whenever a person tells you something and you're like nah mm-hmm. but they're actually like doing their job yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I know I have a couple of people in mind <laughs> that are constantly going through therapists for that very thing they're yeah. like they don't they're not they don't they're know not what they're talking about right right they don't know me okay. <laughs> yes yes hi friends we're taking one more quick break just to remind you that this podcast is sponsored by god and my girlfriend's ministries we are a registered 501c3 nonprofit that supports women in all walks of life women helping women become everything that god created them to be That's our mission. We have online book clubs, live events, weekend workshops and retreats, a single mama's ministry, and also this podcast. If you'd like to learn more about what we do, get involved in any way with any of our programs, or maybe even help support us financially by donating, you can do all of that on our website, which is godandmygirlfriendsonline.com. You can also find us on any of our socials. We're on Facebook, Instagram, and even Twitter. So reach out when you can and let us know how we can serve you or maybe someone that you know. And now back to the conversation. All right, well, let's, uh, let's jump to like spirituality. I know that both of you grew up in Christian households. Mm-hmm. Do you consider yourself, you still consider yourself a Christian? I do. And do you? Yes, you do. Yes. I know that everyone's journeys are different. Julie and I have talked, a, we, we've been going somewhat to a, a similar church here recently, yeah. which is a more progressive Christian. And mm-hmm. I think maybe Steph, you're a little bit more, um, I don't know where you are, but as far as spiritually, <laughs> I mean, we talk about this. Yeah. I know that you are a deep, deep believer. Mm-hmm. You grew up like, what was your non-denominational non-denominational mm-hmm. did you go to like a would you say a mega church kind of things that what you went to growing up I went to Houston both. yeah I went to kind of like a small church mm-hmm. then a medium church and then we actually went to Lakewood before they became a mega church so, oh yeah we were I was there for that transition 
Wow. Which was really cool. Was that like in high school and stuff? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Me and my family. Yeah. So, yeah, I've seen it all. And what kind of church do you go to now or do you go to church? I, since the pandemic, haven't found a church that I like, this brick and mortar, but there's a church in Dallas that I love. Their embassy church, Tim Ross is the pastor, Mm. love their teaching, like the way he teaches Mm. the word. It's just like, if I could find that in Nashville for me and, mm-hmm. and for my fiance, we actually both really enjoy it. Enjoy them. That's kind of where, like, if I, when I send my tithes and stuff, I send them to them and I just get so much from them. So that's awesome. Yeah. And one of the great things about technology is that we're not limited to just preachers in our physical area. Yeah. Now we can listen to anyone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what do you do? Do you have mm-hmm. a Sunday morning go-to thing online or? Or do you just kind of bounce around? I just, yeah, bounce around is a good, mm-hmm. that's a good definition <laughs> for what I do. Like I have like no, nothing really consistent, mm-hmm. um, but I do, um, yeah, since the pandemic, especially, I will look at sermons on mm-hmm. YouTube, uh, oftentimes find myself listening to like T.D. Jakes, uh, just his teaching and the way that he, you know, pulls things together mm-hmm. is just really rich and, and you know, and helpful. Um, but, uh, you know, so I've had just a journey. <laughs> I think we all have a yeah, journey when sure. it comes to our, our faith and, you know, just things and experiences that kind of make it mm-hmm. um, hard to want to separate the church from faith, like Jesus from people. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I feel like I've just, I've been so disappointed the way, you know, people that go to church the way that they actually care for people is it's been really hard to watch, especially just these last couple of years. Mm -hmm. Uh, I mean, everything from, you know, from Trump being elected, you know, to feeling like there was no support from non-denominational evangelical churches Mm -hmm. and, you know, and actually to have been attending you know, one and if not feel comfortable there, like that's kind of a big issue. Mm-hmm. And also my mom, she converted from Christianity, which is where, you know, I was raised in the church and went to church um, pretty, you know, religiously with my mom. She converted to Judaism. Mm-hmm. So she doesn't believe in Jesus anymore, doesn't believe that he was the son of God. Mm-hmm. And so that kind of hit at the same time as Trump Mm. being elected and so it it just really scrambled a lot of things for me and so I feel like I'm kind of finding my way back and I've always been open to just to God's word Mm -hmm. and sermons and things that really help Mm -hmm. um, you know my relationship with God and, and with myself so yeah it's uh, it's just, you know, I just think life is like a roller coaster. Mm-hmm. I think that things happen that kind of make us, you know, reevaluate everything. And yeah. why do you believe what you believe? And all those things are part of what strengthens us. Yeah. Yeah. I was listening to a podcast this morning and they were just talking about how Christianity has sort of, I mean, there's always been somewhat of an umbrella there's like christianity Mm -hmm. and then there's you know all the different denominations and different sects of christianity and they don't always all believe exactly the Mm -hmm. same thing but they're always considered christianity but but the divide in christianity uh especially since trump was elected has really caused deep deep divisions in churches Mm -hmm. and leaders and so 
it's hard for me sometimes to tell people I'm a Christian because I feel like they want to go, what kind of Christian are you? I mean, like, what is that? What does, what does that, that even mean? mean? Mm-hmm. And I was actually reading a thing this morning. I was going to just read a little bit to you guys and see what y'all think of this. Mm-hmm. Um, so this, it was a, a blog I was reading. It says the U S church, the U S church has whitewashed and Americanized a Christian faith that was born in the Middle East mm-hmm. and Northern Africa, mm-hmm. and it's practiced passionately all over the world. It's not just a national, it's not just an American thing. When we talk about whitewashed or Americanized Christianity, we're talking about a gospel that teaches people that white American culture is normal and ideal. Mm-hmm. Furthermore, to whitewash Christianity is to suggest to non-whites around the world that the right way to be a Christian is to adopt worship styles and customs that are attributed predominantly to white communities. This harms both white and non-white Christians. It robs non-white Christians of their culture and community and blinds white Christians to the rich diversity within God's kingdom. Mm -hmm. Do y'all agree with all of that? Y'all were nodding the whole time I was reading. 100%. Yeah. It's interesting because when you're black and you grew up in a black church, I never thought Jesus was white. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. Like I've always known that the pictures of Jesus were wrong. They're not, that's not what he looks like. Right. And that's just like, it's common knowledge. You know what I mean? Like, it's not like a shocking, you know, like, oh yeah. Mm -hmm. Like you think like where the Bible takes place if he were white, he would be have skin cancer. You know what I mean? It's just like oh, the sun would have cooked him up. So I'm just telling like, you, Jesus looked a lot like Brad Pitt in our church. It was blonde, blue eyed, very handsome. Oh, yeah. And, yeah. I, and it never even occurred to me growing up that that's not what Jesus looked right. like. When it finally, when I finally like re- registered to me one day, I was like, holy cow, how did we, who thought that was a good idea to draw Jesus like that? That's crazy. And the crazier thing too, is as I, my, my parents, one of the things I loved about them was they let me and my brother ask questions and like challenge things. Mm. And so one of the things, especially like I've been to like Pentecostal services, you know, mm-hmm. learning that a lot of worship styles that are here are actually derived from pagan worship styles mm-hmm. in other places. And you you put side by side a Christian worship next to like voodoo worship and turn the sound off. It looks the same. So it's like understanding the influences of how we have decided to worship and realizing that it really is the heart and what's what you're doing on the inside when you're worshiping because when you're just going through the motions Mm -hmm. those things were influenced I feel like a lot of what Americans don't think about is our culture is influences from other places like we don't have just a this is what Americans do. You know what I mean? Well, that's right. Because we're a hodgepodge. Exactly. And so that trickles down into everything that we do, mm-hmm. including the gospel and how, how we tell the story even, you mm-hmm. know what I mean? And so doing your own research and learning, trying your best. I mean, obviously if you didn't, you know, major in Hebrew and Greek, like, <laughs> yes. but trying your best to learn what the original text actually mm-hmm. said yeah. and the contexts in which they were written and mm-hmm. the fact that Paul was talking to 
the Corinthian church and like what was going on in the Corinthian church when he wrote that. Right. And like, we're not the Corinthian mm-hmm. church anymore. Right. So it's like, yes, you, you take those lessons and the Holy spirit shows you what applies to your life. But like, it's, that's why it's a living word because of the Holy spirit, but the actual stories, if you take the Holy spirit away, mm-hmm. it's a, it's history. It's just history. Yes. So it's like, they were having orgies in the church. So of course Paul was like, Hey guys, like, don't do that. Like stop it. Yeah. You know, it's like now people aren't necessarily having orgies in the church, but not necessarily <laughs> I mean, infidelities yeah. and you know, yeah, whatever yeah, else yeah, goes yeah. on, right. you know, right. but it's a different, it's a different word that can still apply, but it's mm-hmm. not like a literal word. Cause they're not, he's not talking to us. Mm-hmm. So Interesting. Well, one of the things it it named three big examples of whitewashing is Christianity. And the first one was worship styles. Mm -hmm. And it's interesting because I do know a lot of, I've been in several churches, even the one I'm in right now. And there has been a lot of talk, like, I wish we were more diverse. I wish uh, black people felt more comfortable. Like we don't want to just be a white church, Mm -hmm. but our worship style (laughs) (laughs) is not the same. Like we're asking black people to change their worship style to fit our worship mm-hmm. style if they want to come to our church. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, you've been there. Does it feel that way? Um, well, and it's funny because I've, I've been to churches where, yeah, right. Like, like that's kind of the idea mm-hmm. of like, uh, diversifying the congregation. Yeah. And so it's like, how do you do that? Do you do when, that? Through, music. through music. Right. Exactly. And, and so I think of, like you know the lake woods where they have like, it's like israel Holton, you know you as mean? a worship leader like just they diversity have like gospel like they have ccm but it's like yeah mixed in yeah they're worship leaders you know they have leaders that sing like gospel singers and okay. they have leaders that sing like chris tomlin mm-hmm. and they're on stage at the same time oh. and they do those songs yeah which is a whole different sound it's if you crazy think about it. but it's awesome yeah yeah yes and but I, everyone gets something yes right right and i think as long as the expectation isn't like hey will you we want to diversify our church yeah. like will you come in and sing our song yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like yeah. No, you know you. and so because yeah. it, it it does there is that pressure you know of feeling like you want to um when you want to come into a new space mm-hmm. to kind of fit the mold because mm-hmm. the transition people that aren't used to gospel music mm-hmm. that have been used yeah. to mm-hmm. you know just acoustic guitar and yeah. maybe just one singer to have like you know gospel choir like that's a hugely different it's just like sound and people can get uncomfortable with the unfamiliar you mm-hmm. know and so as you kind of integrate those things in you kind of have to watch what you're asking for mm-hmm. with that and maybe you know and sometimes I think it it just takes some steps to get to that mm-hmm. where you have you find the right fit of someone that can help kind of transition right those things because I do feel like a Israel Holton is good at like a great he can do but like yeah. he can do gospel he can do like you know and he blends it yes exactly so if churches really want to be a diversified church they have got to be diverse in in all areas and Every not area. just expect people to to come in and yeah. and and it be homogenized, right? Yeah, I mean the the most segregated I think aspect in America is the American church. Yeah, mm-hmm. because I can walk into a white church mm-hmm. and I'm like, this is a white church. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know what I mean. Yeah, and you can walk into a black church and you're like, this is a black church. Right. And so 
I don't like that. So like, I personally love going to diverse churches where they do all of it. It's the whole gambit. When I look out, I see people that look like me, people like you, But aren't they hard to find? They are in the South. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. right. They are in the South. Yeah. But it, I almost feel like there's not a way to like recruit diversity. You just have to build a space that feels comfortable to anyone who walks in. And it's like, you know, if I go in and all, you know, all anyone's doing is whatever the white songs are, because there are white songs Mm -hmm. and that's it. And like everybody on stage is white and the pastor's white and the prayer leaders are white and everybody's white. Even if there are like some black people scattered in the congregation, that's a white church to me. Yeah. And the same if I go to a black church and everybody everybody in the choir is black you know it's just yeah. it's like okay cool this is going to be a gospel church more than likely a pentecostal church that might be very long mm-hmm. you know what yeah. i mean yeah. so it's like cool let's not do that i think that it starts right like with the leadership yeah, right and 100%. i think it's something that takes effort like you can't just hope that like oh with our all white staff or with our all black staff mm-hmm. that we're going to have a diverse church like you really need to invite leadership of diversity Mm -hmm. that can say, hey, from my perspective as a Black woman, Mm -hmm. we should do this, 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 Mm -hmm. or as as an Indian, like, you know, to have Mm -hmm. like those different perspectives. You can't just, you know, hey, like, I wonder what a white woman would think Mm -hmm. about, you know what I mean, about this, like have that person at the table when you're trying to create a diverse environment, you know what I mean? And so, but, and that takes effort. Like you do have to seek people out and have an authentic heart with trying to bring them in you know what I mean Mm -hmm. like don't be gimmicky don't be inauthentic Mm -hmm. people see through that they don't want anything to do with it Mm -hmm. you know so it has to be authentic yes I feel like I've been places where uh where people say they want diversity but it's like I look at the staff and it's like you know you don't don't want that you don't obviously you don't because I can see by who's on your stage that you don't want diversity you know what I mean and look at your website see your leadership no diversity yeah I'll look for that stuff too Mm -hmm. I do just in your pictures yeah exactly token you have everyone strategically placed yeah I also think that the communities you serve Mm will determine how diverse you are. Like, Mm. are you giving back to all of the different communities that you are around as a church? Mm. You know what I mean? Or is it just your neighborhood? Or is it just people who look like you? You know what I mean? So it's like, are you getting out there and going to low income areas and serving all of the people that live in low income areas? Because there's a lot of diversity in low income areas. You know what I mean? And so are you doing those things? Are you going to the... um, rehabilitation centers and like mm-hmm. you know what I mean like all of those things like where where is your serving going mm-hmm. because I feel like the churches that I've experienced that are the most diverse serve communities really well and they always have different programs that are serving all different kinds of communities yeah. and you can see that in their congregation yeah and yeah where are they serving mm-hmm. I, I like that I like that um the second big example of whitewashing in Christianity is the silence on racism in church. Mm-hmm. Um, and they, they were, were expounding on that a little bit mm-hmm. about uh, how a lot of white churches don't, they think it's, they don't want to talk about it. Mm-hmm. They think it's political mm-hmm. or they, but they'll talk about 
other political mm-hmm. issues. Mm-hmm. They'll, they'll, you know, they're not worried about talking about abortion issues, mm-hmm. um, but they don't want to like go and talk about the problems yeah. and the real issues of racism still in America, which a lot of people say, you know, the Trump years sort of yeah. brought that all to light. Yeah. Do y'all feel like that? Oh yeah. I mean, we've talked about that. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I admitted as, as a white woman, like, I really thought we were farther along. Mm-hmm. I thought we've got a black, pro- you know, Obama was president. I thought we've got a black president. Mm-hmm. The racism problem, I didn't think it was gone. Gone. Yeah. But it wasn't until Trump was elected that I started seeing just this rising up. And I'm like, is this really where we are? And I know you guys didn't really seem surprised. Yeah, not at all. Like you felt it. Yeah, even when Obama, especially when Obama was president, like the stuff that people would say, mm-hmm. come out, you know, stuff will come out of their mouth. Mm-hmm. I think the not my president hashtag started when Obama was mm-hmm. elected. Mm-hmm. So it, you saw the way he was being treated oh, yeah. and being mis, mistreated disrespected. And, and being disrespected. No other president had been. And, and Michelle Obama. Yeah, most so of, disrespected. I don't think I've, in in my lifetime ever seen a first lady be disrespected like she was Mm -hmm. like even melania and like you know people disrespect her too because she's married to donald trump right but like it was i feel like when people talk about melania it's more just like dang i feel bad for her yeah but like people were calling michelle a monkey Mm -hmm. transvestite like just it was and Mm -hmm. and like newscasts or like you know fox news people and so Mm -hmm. the racism was very apparent then and obviously Trump blew it up but when it comes to addressing injustice period especially in white churches I think in black churches it's very common is it talked more it's way talked about way more and so um but white white pastors kind of not talking about it is interesting. And I do remember there was one pastor I have a lot of respect for. I won't say who it is because some people don't like him, but he around the George Floyd time actually brought a black pastor in and they had a discussion on stage oh, wow. about what was happening. And the black pastor was, you could see how weary he was mm. and just broke, like he mm-hmm. he cried, mm-hmm. you know, and mm-hmm. Um, the white pastor was like, you could just see, like, he was just like, I, I wish there's something I could do. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And he was just like, this is Mm -hmm. not how the kingdom of God is supposed to operate. Mm -hmm. And like the fact that I'm standing here and you're like breaking down and I don't know what to do Mm -hmm. is a problem. Mm -hmm. And from that point forward, I've watched that pastor's church transform just Mm -hmm. like diverse the the diversity on stage like the programs that that they've started to do and just like so much more inclusivity and um you know I believe that pastor's heart is a good heart I just I don't think he even realized or recognized how white his church was yeah until you know it was he he saw this thing and he's just like just like you probably his eyes open like this is a problem (sighs) and then bringing in a colleague and being like we both are very successful pastors and the way that you are feeling about this right now Mm -hmm. I should feel that same way you know what Mm -hmm. I mean Mm -hmm. and so it was beautiful to watch 
to be honest. That, what you're just describing within that church is, is similar to where I talk about with friendships. Like if you aren't aware, we're in our bubbles. Mm -hmm. Like we get in our little religious or political or cultural bubbles. And we just don't understand what other people, what they're dealing with, mm -hmm. you know, other people that aren't in our bubble with us. Mm -hmm. Right. And so how do we break those bubbles? Mm -hmm. Is that a talk? Yeah. I know one of my close friends, she's white and very, she's a Trump supporter, which you would think like, how can you be friends with a Trump supporter? But well, I didn't know she was, but <laughs> we're still friends. Yeah. Um, but George Floyd happened and like all of the emotions, and this is something me and Saran talked about. As a black woman, I didn't realize how much I was caring, right? Mm. Of seeing this type of thing that happened to George Floyd happen over and over and over again. And then seeing him actually die, because I've never seen a person be killed, like who has? Mm -hmm. And the rage, right? And just truly, you know, having to seek within yourself, like, okay, Jesus, I know I'm supposed to love everybody, but like these white people you created, I don't know, mm -hmm. you know? And having zero tolerance, like none, you know what I mean? And um, she reached out and said something. And I was just like, I don't have the capacity mm -hmm. to do that. I'm like, you need to go research. Like she was basically trying to ask questions about like how, you know, she could be an ally or whatever. And I was like, go Google it, you know? And we got into a huge, she was like, I'm trying to be, you know, da 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 da, and you, you know, shutting me down. You won't even talk, da 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 da. And I was just like, bye, you know? And she eventually ended up, oh, and she pulled the like, I have black friends and I talked, I'm asking one of my other black friends and they didn't respond like this. And, <laughs> and I was just like, go talk to them then. You know, and eventually she came back and apologized because she, someone checked her. I think one of her like white friends, were, they were just like, mm. <laughs> and so she called me and she was just like, I just want to apologize. I was being so insensitive and just whatever, whatever. But I think that is how you break the bubble. Mm -hmm. It's like, you have to have uncomfortable conversations. And I think it's on both sides, but I think mostly trying to learn the experience of people outside of your bubble and the controversial thing I think is that as black Americans we have to have had to assimilate to white culture right. so I I don't know everything that you've gone through as a white woman but I like have experienced a lot of things just like I, I see what kind of privilege white people have and like mm -hmm. I have to be in white spaces and switch it up you know what I mean mm -hmm. and like I've had to not wear my natural hair when I go to certain places because I'll get treated differently and that kind of thing. So that was one of the biggest things that I learned from you. It's yeah. like, wait a minute. I mean, just as we were getting to know each other. And mm -hmm. I think as you were starting to, to trust me to open up about conversations like this, mm -hmm. it's like, I was like, wait a minute, you have to think about whether, how you're going to wear your hair mm -hmm. into certain situations, because you know, you'll be judged differently. Mm -hmm. I mean, yeah. Yeah. And so like having those conversations so that in the same way that we have to learn or we have had to grow up in and assimilate to white culture, other cultures, learning what's in our culture, mm -hmm. you know, and it's like great example of people be like, oh, black people are so ghetto and loud and don't know, you know. I was in Nashville, and if you see this, I'm talking to you. <laughs> in Nashville, 
<laughs> having a nice brunch outside. Okay. This truck rolls by and water's leaking out. It's like a pickup truck. Water's leaking out the back. There, there are men sitting in the back of the truck. And I was like, did they make a pool in the back of the truck? Oh. And so you look at the truck <laughs> and they have lined the back of the truck with plastic and filled it with water. And there are like six grown men sitting in the back of the truck drinking in a truck pool. <laughs> <laughs> and both me and my friend were sitting there like, if that were six black people, people would be like, oh man, no class, ghetto, that's so ghetto. Same downtown Nashville, same thing. Yeah. Same thing. Yeah. You see what I'm saying? And oh, so it's I see like, it. I see it now. It's crazy. And it's just like, no, Black people aren't necessarily any loud. Like, we can get loud because we're passionate. That doesn't mean that we're ghetto or we don't have any class or we don't know how to act in public. Yeah. Like, I mean, and if you go to other countries, a lot of their perspective of Americans. Yeah, like is, we're ghetto. Y'all, wow. <laughs> y'all have no, like, you right. know what I mean? Like, As a collective. Yeah. Yeah. Like, like, if you're American, so... it's like, I don't care if you're Black American, Asian American, yeah. White American, like, that's y'all are rude. Overall perspective. Y'all are yeah. selfish. Yeah. yeah. Well, you know, and, and <laughs> as we've been lucky as musicians, we've gotten to travel a lot of places, mm-hmm. you know, and it's amazing, yeah, that Americans sometimes they they're always complaining about, oh, the French are so snobby and they don't want anything to do with us. Yeah. They don't even think about the fact us. that maybe maybe we're going in there being big, loud, obnoxious <laughs> Americans, and they're just like, I can't with I y'all. Can't do it I can't, you, you know. Yeah, but it's never taking responsibility as Americans as to how we're coming across mm-hmm. or what, what we might be contributing exactly. to this uh, persona of how people don't like us. Like they, even on this uh, webcast this morning, they were talking about Christians. And it's like, sometimes Christians have been taken on this thing. Like if people don't like us, then we're doing something right. Like we're standing up, we're, persecuted. Know, we're being persecuted. You know, it's like, this is how it's supposed to be. Like if... It, Paul says we're supposed to live in peace with everyone, mm-hmm. like as best that we can, you mm-hmm. know? And so people, if they don't like you, it may not be because you're Christian. It no. may be because you're just being a jerk, you know? <laughs> yeah. So it's like, let's think about this a little bit. But um, mm-hmm. I think it, I think it has been uh, sad to see the division. Mm-hmm. I mean, I heard him say years ago that the most segregated time in America is 11 o'clock on Sunday mornings, and it hasn't changed. It, hasn't. And it makes me sad. I wish there was more ways. I love one of the things I love the most is that when, sometimes when we're putting our makeup, these girls will put on, we put on worship music <laughs> and we listen and uh, they start singing. It's amazing. <laughs> it's like, we are having some worship time yes. while we're getting ready for the Christopher Cross tour. Mm-hmm. I mean, the Christopher Cross show. And um, yeah, I love that. You know, I love that y'all that we share that. That's one thing that we were able to bond over mm-hmm. initially start some trust. Yeah. And it just grows and grows and grows. And we talk about the word. We talk about the word. We I talk- got super excited because Jesus is a gangster in John. <laughs> if y'all haven't read it, just she go back and read like, it. Like, y'all, listen, listen to this. She started he reading. <laughs> was not playing. He okay? wasn't. I know. I love that. <laughs> Steph comes up to the front of the land. She was like, have y'all been reading John? <laughs> and she just starts reading, pulling out this stuff. And she was like, he, he's done. Yeah. Like, he had an attitude. Yeah, it's so funny. <laughs> when you start reading the Bible and bringing the words to life, when mm-hmm. you start asking the Holy Spirit to bring this to me, and the, one of the things I love about the Bible, I mean, 
somebody said the Bible's like the ocean, like you can just dip your toe in it mm. and you can get refreshment from it. Mm-hmm. But also it's so deep that you'll never, ever get to the to bottom the of it. Like, Ooh, that's good. I know. And so that's the Bible in mm-hmm. a nutshell. Mm-hmm. And the more I read the Bible, and I know you guys are probably feel the same way as we get older, like certain things that reveal to me in certain verses when I was younger, like it meant one thing. Mm-hmm. And then as you get older, it starts changing and it starts becoming deeper. Mm-hmm. One day you're reading and you're like, Oh, I missed like this tone. Right here. This is so awesome. Yeah. And yeah. I love that the Bible's able, that's the holiness of the Bible. It can speak to each one of us where we are mm-hmm. like in, in almost different ways. It does. That's mm-hmm. why I feel, you know, it's hard when people want to debate because the Holy Spirit is so intentional when talking and speaking and guiding you. And so we could be reading the same passage and the Holy Spirit is like, okay, this is for yours you. and yeah. this is for you. Yeah. And it's like, y'all are reading the same words, but the the message is different at that season and that's okay. Mm-hmm. And so I feel like, you know, people want to hold on to these like laws, which is funny because the Bible, especially in the New Testament, forget the laws, you know what I mean? So it's like, but everyone wants to hold on to the laws and, and not hold on to love. Yeah. And just like trusting God. Mm-hmm. I listened to a sermon this morning and he was talking about tithing and just, you know, the 10% thing was talked about way before Malachi and way after. And in practical mat, like when you think practically, if you gave 10% of your income to anything, more than likely you're going to be good. Cause just the law of giving is just like, mm. when you give, you receive, mm-hmm. like, you don't have to be a Christian to believe that. And there are, there are so many people who are agnostic and atheist and Muslim who practice giving in whatever case, if it's through charity or whatever, yeah. and we'll all tell you, like, it comes back. So it's it's not a new concept, right? you know? And so I just feel like different people could read those different things and be moved differently. Like some people are like, cool, I'm a tithe to the church. Some people are like, cool, when I tithe, I'm going to give to homeless people. However, the Holy Spirit moves you to not hold that money because that's really, in my opinion, what it's all about is God blesses us with stability and income and so it's like cool I have what I have because God gave me the skills to do it or whatever the case is let me bless other people so you can bless them through church you can bless them directly like however God is leading you but like don't just hold it Right. Because God doesn't need your money. Exactly. God, uh, uh, someone explained <laughs> to me a long time ago, God doesn't need your money. No. He can do whatever needs to be done. He can do it without your money. Mm-hmm. The, the whole thing about tithing was to change your heart, yeah. was to work on you, mm-hmm. was to teach you the blessings of generosity. Mm-hmm. 100%. And, yeah, I, yeah, I agree with that. But even in the Old Testament, if I remember correctly, I mean, they would tell the farmers, you know, when you're gathering your fields, leave 10%, just leave that out. I think it even just said like, leave the outside mm-hmm. edges of your field, 10%, don't harvest that, right. leave it for aliens, for mm-hmm. the people that are traveling, yeah, for, the, for, for the people or for the widows or for the mm-hmm. people that are poor, they like need it. don't gather everything, everything. that you can mm-hmm. from your fields, leave some for others. Mm-hmm. And that wasn't giving to the church. Mm-hmm. That just was giving. That was just giving, like, mm-hmm. don't be hoggy. And, yeah. And I think yeah. the point I m- wanted to make when I brought that up is he 
specifically talked about how God doesn't curse you because you don't tithe, but that's taught, right? Mm. And so he's like, it's bad teaching and it's manipulation. Whatever God's going to do, God's going to do. You can tithe or not tithe. That's why people be like, that person doesn't tithe and they're rich. (laughs) And it's like, yeah, God's not a respecter of persons. And tithing isn't about trying to get God to do something for you. It's about having a heart of serving and Mm. having a heart of giving. And when you operate in that space, so like so much more is open to you you know mm-hmm. and so yeah that's why I well Mike and I didn't go to church for like seven years we, mm-hmm. we were in a space and we just didn't go to church mm-hmm. and so it was actually fun because every week you know Mike would say we have some tithing money like who do you what are we going to do with it mm-hmm. and we would get creative and if we knew somebody personally that was in a bind we might just anonymously bless them, mm-hmm. bless them with some money or mm-hmm. um just different things that mm-hmm. different organizations were at the end or different things that we wanted to be a part of. Our friend Bryce Long has a back to back foundation. Mm-hmm. You know, so let's just give some to this. Let's give some to this. You know, mm-hmm. now I'm going to a church regularly and we we've included Tithe. that mm-hmm. in part of our tithing, but we don't give all of our tithes to the church. We still yeah, kind of mix others. it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I, I figure that God knows our heart in that, you know, that's mm-hmm. why I am. I, I just, every week ask God, what we want to give money to he'll show you yeah mm-hmm. he'll be like send it over there <laughs> like, cool and every time every time it's a person or if it's like whatever um, they're just like oh my gosh I just paid a bill and da, da, da. I'm like cool mm-hmm. you know I know so it's, it's really great. cool right yeah. it's really cool yeah there's um there's this one website that Mike found it's called purposity I think mm-hmm. and I'll have to put a, I'm going to put a link in the show notes for this because it's really cool you just go in there and it has all this list of, of real needs around nashville oh. like this family needs uh bedding for and i'm not sure how that i think they they gather some of the information through schools and mm-hmm. different things but you can actually go through and this family needs a microwave this family oh. needs this and you can actually go pick and and like i'm going to gift them a microwave this week or yeah. i'm going to gift these children they need socks and underwear mm-hmm. i'm going to give it's tangible things oh, that you that. know what they're doing so it's a really cool thing and and mike mike's like he'll come out with it with the computer sometimes and go look you want to pick out a few other things we can give to some people you know and it's oh it, that's so cool it's neat you see more of a tangible yeah. gift than just like i'm just going to hand somebody 20 bucks yeah. and don't know what they're going to do they're going to buy beer with or whatever right but, um well you know what golly y'all we've been talking a long time How so long? an hour and 15 minutes oh, i know i know <laughs> gonna have to edit it now. i am gonna well <laughs> I don't know if we're going to edit it this way, but I hope, I hope this is good. We use it a little different, but um, anything else you guys want to say before we end our little conversation? Why y'all looking at me? It's because this corner got a little quiet at the end. I I'm taking it all in. You know, I think that, and that's well, Steph what, was preaching. I think that's ooh, what's ooh, so ooh. beautiful about the diversity of friendship is just, you know, the things that, you know, we bring to each other's lives. Like mm-hmm. I often feel very hesitant about like tithing and things like that, mm-hmm. just because I feel like, um, you, you know, I don't know, like, cause you feel like, yeah, giving to the church, like that's the way that yeah. you're supposed to do it. And so, but I have been like, I don't know what church I trust that I want to send my <laughs> yeah. money to, or yeah. just, but just having those examples of blessing others. And I always do try to like, yeah, like if ever a friend is in need mm-hmm. or, or whatnot to try to show up in that way. Mm-hmm. Um, but 
but yeah, so I just love like, yeah, hearing everything, just God's love and how he uses all of us for um, bettering ourselves mm-hmm. and bettering the community, bettering other mm-hmm. people, loving well, you know, so. Well, you guys have taught me a lot. I'm re- I'm seriously, I'm serious. I'm about to cry. Oh. I am so grateful <laughs> for both of you guys and your friendship. And I've learned so much from you. And I feel so honored that you guys take such good care of me. They take care of me on the road. I'm not kidding. They do. (laughs) Are you good? (laughs) What you need? Give me that bag. Give me that bag. I wouldn't want to be out here with anybody else. um, But we we have so much fun. And I'm so grateful that you guys were willing to come on and just open your hearts and and, uh, talk to the little God of my girlfriend's community. Get you some diverse friends. Diverse friends. It's really cool. Young friends, old friends, friends, yeah, different friends from culture, yeah, because mm-hmm. it's, it I couldn't imagine not having a conglomerate, yeah, of like if all my friends were my age mm-hmm. and looked just like me, I feel like life would be so boring. Mm-hmm. Yes, and I have definitely, you know, it's like easy to kind of gravitate, I think, to friends that look like you and mm-hmm. act like you and vote like you and go to the same church, mm-hmm. but I can definitely say a lot of people that on paper I would think are similar to me are some of the ones that have hurt me the most Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know what I mean it's like they feel familiar you think because they have check off certain boxes you think you know them and Mm -hmm. can trust them you can't no that's not the way to find good friends so anyway all right we're gonna uh we're gonna close this thing off uh everyone I will put links to all of their socials and you can find them and follow them because they're fun look at my hair <laughs> it looks good it looks it really does. Good. Okay, good. Your skin looks good too. thank you it's because of that I don't know what that what this filter is on my zoom but I'm <laughs> telling you it's like the old woman filter y'all don't need it all right we're gonna say goodbye bye girls bye. Well, I hope you guys enjoyed listening to our conversation as much as we enjoyed having it. And I hope it inspired all of you to reflect just a little bit on your friendship circles and how you might be able to diversify your own circle a bit. We can't be afraid to engage with others who aren't exactly the same as we are. And I truly hope that we can stop looking at one another in an us versus them mentality. We are all one in God's kingdom. And I hope that conversations like these will help us remember that. So thanks again to Julie and Stephanie for joining me today. All the links to find them online are going to be in the show notes um, and also other things that we talked about. So check that out. And I'll be back next week with another special guest for a brand new episode of the God and My Girlfriends podcast. Until then, y'all be safe and be well. Be well.